This is the Family Culture Project, Episode 41, How to Help Your Kids Overcome Worry, with guest Christy Thomas. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you to live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you are meant to be. At a young age, kids start to worry. They typically worry about things like grades, tests, there's changing bodies, fitting in with friends, getting hurt, or whether or not they'll make the team. Thankfully, parents can help kids face their fears and tackle the worry with intention. Today, we're talking about simple steps parents can take to help their kids overcome worry, plus the roles that stories play in shaping your family's culture. So Carl, what were some of the things that you were worried about when you were a child? Well, a couple of things that stick out for me. One was worrying about what other kids that I felt were better than a certain sport. It could even have been wiffle ball in the corner. You know, if they were better than a certain sport or I really wasn't that good, um, worried about what they thought, right? If you messed up or if you didn't get a hit when you really needed to get a hit and just worried about what they would think of me or think less of me or not want to be my friend or or things of you know I guess all kids go through this but certainly that's one thing that stuck out to me you know it's hard for me to remember things that I worried about as a child but I remember always wanting to go to sleep in the at night with my door open and I always made sure that the hall light was on. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if I was worried about monsters in the closet or, you know, animals under my bed, but I just, I needed that comfort and security of having like my door open. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, that, that brings back a, a memory for me, which I worried at night if somebody would come into the house that you that wasn't supposed to be there effectively mm-hmm. so that translated into me making sure i checked out the, the locks on the doors a lot before i'd go to bed mm-hmm. but i definitely worry that like someone to come in at night and and do something i didn't have the night the night light thing like you did mm-hmm. but um it was just a worry that somebody would come into the house that wasn't supposed to be there right even though your parents locked up every night like did you go down and check like before you went to bed or you know, after that's a, that's a funny question because you know it's it in in our house it was a three-story house so the the downstairs door was actually downstairs so maybe i caught the door being left open a Mm -hmm. couple times Mm -hmm. and therefore then i didn't trust my parents to always make sure the door was locked (laughs) because you know we were coming in and out of those doors that sounds like you (laughs) and you would have to like make sure the door is locked you actually have to go downstairs and make sure the door is locked so if i found that they didn't do it a couple times i'm like Mm -hmm. wait a second here i gotta Mm -hmm. take it on myself (laughs) you know so did you ever share any of your worries with your parents and if you did how did they react yeah, they probably reacted like most parents, you know, typical reaction, which is, gee, that's silly to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure we've done that to our kids as well. But, um, you know, I don't I can't remember them taking any kind of super proactive approach at addressing silly worries. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing really sticks out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, those those worries, they might be silly to your parents, but they weren't silly to you. And I, and I find oftentimes with my kids that, yeah, sometimes I do just want to be like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. Why are we even talking about this? Like, want to dismiss what they're feeling when really um, we should be addressing how they're feeling and making sure that they know that, 
yeah, I understand that this is very real to you. And there are times when I've even gotten frustrated and angry that I've had to deal with something that to me seems so trivial. Um, But our guest, Christy, she talks about some of the practical ways that we can walk our kids through worry. And um, I love some of our ideas because it really helps your children face their worry, overcome it, but also shows them that what they they think and feel is important and that they're not being dismissed. Definitely. I think she mentioned the word empathy, which um, I think is important because you have to take that time to understand your kids' differences and how they actually react to worry, right? Because one child's going to react one way, another child could react another way. One Mm -hmm. one child could be angry. Um, You know, their worry could turn into them just being a little bit salty to you or another child could just become very quiet. So, and then having, you know, recognizing the differences in your children and having empathy for their situation, even if you think it's silly, is is an important part of the process. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that Christy dealt with worry and her own family was by writing a children's book. So she'll talk more about that. But what I love is that even though this episode is about worry and your children, it's also about the power of a story to convey a lesson to your children and her book addresses worry yes just using the stories to um give situations to your children to help them think through the worry i think Mm -hmm. is very important Mm -hmm. yeah and stories can be used um preemptively emptively and it can also be used in response to something they're struggling with absolutely hey guys today's episode is the last one for season three Over the next few weeks, we'll be putting the finishing touches on the next edition of the Family Culture Project Signature Course, as well as producing Season 4 of the podcast. But don't worry, we won't leave you hanging. We'll be rebroadcasting some of our favorite episodes about what family culture is, how simple it is to imagine, plan, and build yours. So be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes or your favorite podcast app so you won't miss a thing. Today, I'm talking with Christy Thomas. Christy writes about faith and family at www.christythomaswriter.com and is the author of Quinn's Promise Rock, an interactive devotional book for preschoolers and wise for salvation. She believes that all parents are called to share Jesus with their kids and that stories, play, laughter, and prayer are the keys to a child's soul. She lives with her family of boys and their pet betta fish in Western Canada. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Um, we know each other from the writers group Hope Writers and just general social media and online goodness with being in the writing world. Um, so I'm really excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. So you just released a book called Quinn's Promise Rock. So can you tell us a little bit about that and why you wrote it? So it's a really short book, like 750 words. It's about a little owl. She asks a lot of what if questions, which a lot of anxious kids and anxious adults ask, what if this happens? What if that happens? So she's dealing with a little bit of separation anxiety mm-hmm. and she's worried. And her dad, um, he shows her about what she doesn't have to worry about by teaching her about God through these teachable moments. So they fly to the top of a mountain and he says, God is like this big mountain that never moves. And then he it starts to rain. So they fly into a cave. And while they're there, dad says, Hey, by the way, God is like the rock of this cave too. And then when the rain stops, they go and land on the ground and he picks up a little rock and he says, by the way, God is also like this rock because it's small and you can carry it with you because God goes with you wherever you go. 
Oh, that's awesome. So what prompted you to write this? Uh, it was a, something that, I don't know, one of my Facebook friends had posted that her son was, had a lot of anxiety about going to kindergarten. So she had done this little thing. She had picked a rock and she'd slipped it in his pocket and said, when you touch this, you can remember that God is with you wherever you go. And it just prompted the story in me. And I had read it in the morning and then I went to my women's Bible study and the whole time I was so not engaged because I was thinking in my brain, <laughs> like, yeah. this is a story. What are the aspects of this? And I came home put my kids into their nap time and immediately just sat down and it came out almost mm -hmm. exactly as it is published, which is really okay. rare, but yeah. it just happened to be that way for this story. Okay. And you had written a previous children's book, correct? So this yeah, was your a first go around? Yeah, it's a <laughs> devotional. Well, it's more like a little Bible study book for preschoolers mm -hmm. called mm -hmm. Wise for Salvation. I actually mostly just wrote it for my church. It was a series of take-home papers that I had done for them and they really liked. And I thought if I put this into a book, there's something about a book that people like more yeah. than just a piece of paper, right? So everyone yeah. was like, wow, this is amazing stuff. I'm like, this is what I've been giving you for the past three years. <laughs> <laughs> and now that it's in a book, you're all excited about it. So yeah, I, it sold more copies than I expected. I never really expected it to go beyond my church, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. So in your most current book, what do you hope parents and children will take away from it? I really hope that they're going to understand just that truth from Joshua 1.9. You know, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. But it doesn't just say, don't be afraid. It says, you don't be afraid for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And that's really what I want them to take away from it. That yes, we are going to be afraid, but we can remember that our God is with us wherever we go. And that's why we can step into these fearful times with mm -hmm. courage. Yeah. So I've noticed that you have been talking a lot about anxiety on your blog. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and how we can recognize anxiety in our children? Oh, anxiety is such a hard thing. The more I research about it, the more I talk to therapists and psychologists about it, the more I realize it's this big beast. And they say, I've read stats that say 30% of children today have a diagnosable anxiety disorder, wow. which means that is huge and it's complicated. So what happens in anxiety is it, it's activating the fear center of your brain, which is called the amygdala, and it activates the fight, flight, freeze response. Mm -hmm. So just like if you were afraid of something, you would either fight it or you would run away from it or you would freeze. Like if you, you know, met a bear in the woods, <laughs> that response would save your life. But the amygdala is overactive in anxious people. And so it's activating that response. So it can look like fight. It mm -hmm. can look like defiance. It can look like temper tantrums. You know, when you're trying to leave somewhere and they, they're screaming and yelling, that, that can be anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, it can look like defiance in older kids, especially boys, I've heard. It just looks like rudeness and they mm -hmm. just don't want to do anything. And it's because yeah. they're afraid. Yeah. Uh, or it can look like flight. So it can look like a child that's avoiding a lot of things like, oh, I don't want to go to school. I'm afraid mm -hmm. of that test. Or they, they might not even say that they're afraid of things. Anxiety doesn't, right. you know, we think it's this kid that's cowering in the corner that's afraid, but it looks like so many things. Oh yeah. yeah. And it can also look like freeze. So I have one kid that his dominant theme is, is fight. Mm -hmm. And another one whose dominant theme is freezing. So he just shuts down and yeah. we didn't even realize this. We thought he was sick for the longest time. And it turns out that he was just in his brain worried about school and about being dumb and just all these anxious thoughts going through yeah. his brain. And we just 
that he was just really quiet and he was sick. He would just lay on the bench for like two weeks. He just, Aww. we even went camping and he laid on the picnic bench and we thought, are you sick? Aww. But he wasn't, turns out he wasn't sick. He was anxious about yeah. going to school and then the next week. Yeah. I like that you said that because oftentimes we, we want to look for one thing that is, mm. um, that makes it obvious as to what's going on. And there's, because our kids have different personalities and, and they're so unique, there's going to be different things that we see in all of them. That's going to, it's going to tell us what's going on within them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I found too, that oftentimes um, when my son will come home from school and he's upset and he's defiant and he's upset, he, I think at first I want to address his behavior and I want to, you know, have there, I want there to be a punishment and I want him to stop doing what he's doing. But if I take the moment to slow down and say, Hey buddy, like what happened in school today? What are you upset about? What are you just, you know, what, what went on? Then he like sort of spills the beans and then you find out, well, so-and-so on the playground said this and I thought he was my friend. And, and so I think the same is true. Like you said, with anxiety, it's, it, it's easy for you to see something like you said, the sickness or behavior and think, Oh, I know what this is about when really it's, it's most times there's something underlying in it. Exactly. Well, if you think about the way that we respond when we're under stress for a long period of time and then mm-hmm. our kid says the wrong thing and we just, we yell at them or oh, I can't believe you said that, right? <laughs> They're the same and they have even less ability to control their emotions and their, than yeah. we do. We've had a few decades of learning to do that. Yeah. And they've had one less than one. Yeah, definitely. So you chose to write a children's book to address anxiety. So why do you think stories are so important um, to share with our kids and, and what does it have to do with family culture? I'm really passionate about stories and storytelling. I think that it's this incredible way. It can Stories can reach us in a way that a lecture or even, you know, I can tell my kids Joshua 1-9 till I'm blue in the face, mm-hmm. but they might not understand it until I tell them a story that it talks about the same thing because stories evoke emotion and they give us imagery and they activate so many parts of our brain so we remember them better. Mm-hmm. And they, um, where it, when we read a story or listen to a story, we become the characters. We see ourselves in them. We learn to develop empathy. Uh, so they just teach us so much more than just spouting facts. And if you look at the Bible, Jesus taught in story a lot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Bible is written in story. And I think reading stories shapes our family culture as well. And not just giving our kids books to read, but reading stories together. So we listen to a lot of audiobooks together. We try to be really intentional about reading to them. Although at this mm-hmm. stage, I often fall asleep when I'm reading yeah. to them. <laughs> I'm trying not to, you know, drink yeah. more coffee. Yeah. But it also, it gives us touch points for teaching our kids. So for example, my middle son was really worried one day we were in a store and there was a big storm coming and this lady's like, oh, I heard there's a tornado warning. And it just like flipped a switch in his brain. He is terrified of tornadoes. Mm-hmm. And like, what if there's a tornado? What if we don't make it home? What if our car flips? What if our house gets destroyed? And he's just like filled with all these what if questions. And so in the van on the way home, first of all, uh, I said, hey, do you remember that story that we read a while back? And it was a story about a bird who mm-hmm. was afraid, you know, the storms. And he kept saying, why does God let the storms take the sun away? And then he, his mom said, someday you'll find out. And he goes up and he, one day during a storm and he barely makes it and he finally breaks out above the clouds and he mm-hmm. sees that the sun is always there. Um. So I just, I said, you remember that story? And do you remember what Firebird learned? And then, and then we had a conversation as well about like, so let's imagine that the worst does happen. Yeah. So, Anyway, that story gave us the touch point for the conversation. It was 
a way that I could remind him of a truth mm-hmm. without saying, Hey, by the way, God says, don't be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause some things, sometimes the things we say seem like such abstract concepts, but when you can put them into reality and you can put them into memorable um, vehicles, I think that, yes. that goes a long way with, with our kids and, and expressing our values and expressing to them the lessons we want them to learn. Exactly. Definitely. Um, so within a family, how, open do you think we should be about our worries? Ah, that's a really good question because I, like I said, I've been doing essentially an enormous research project on this and, you know, <laughs> testing out things on my kids. And <laughs> yeah, right. And the, I realize that like anxious parents create anxious kids. Mm. So if we talk about our worries a lot with them, especially if kids are prone to anxiety, they're mm. going to take those worries on themselves. So we have to be really careful not to bring our worries into their hearts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if you're always like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, I'm worried about that. Oh, what if you get hit? What if you get killed? That's the way they're going to start to think. And so we want to be, we want to deal with our anxieties and our worries with God and with other, you know, with a therapist, if we need to, Mm -hmm. with our spouse, Uh, we don't want to increase anxiety in our kids. Now, sometimes I do say to my son, who is, you know, a lot. He thinks a lot. Right? <laughs> and so sometimes I'll say, you know, when I was a kid, this is what I was afraid of. And one time I said this, and then it was like a flip switch flipped in his brain, like, oh my goodness, I could be afraid of that. Oh dear. And so I immediately went yeah. into, okay, but this is what I learned. And this is why I realized I didn't have to be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. So my thing was that I was afraid of vampires yeah, when yeah. I was a kid, like definitely afraid of vampires to the point where I had all these like <laughs> Uh, safety behaviors that I would create so that, it, you know, I wouldn't, if I came upon a vampire, then I had a stake in my pocket or yeah, <laughs> beside yeah, the piano yeah. or, or a cross. Uh, I didn't wear garlic around my neck, but. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> but so then I told him like, okay, this is what I learned mm-hmm. about that. So I, I don't think I'd share a lot of current fears with him mm-hmm. just because I think that would increase his anxiety. But mm-hmm. if it's something that I've already worked through and I can explain yeah. Why I don't be worried about that anymore. That can be helpful. Yeah. And what about um, child to child? Like, do you share at the dinner table? Like, do you guys, are your kids old enough now where you can, they can speak into each other's lives and encourage each other around their worries? Or do you feel like you definitely work with them one-on-one when you feel like they're dealing with anxiety or worry? So far, it's really one-on-one. So I have three boys and they do not like to talk about things that are real. They just, you know, the dinner table, our conversation is about Minecraft and farts. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> I exactly. have a really hard time trying to get a good conversation between the three of them. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's all just one-on-one. I hope that, you know, once we maybe hit a little older, yeah. like right now, my oldest is just nine. So mm-hmm. once we hopefully get beyond the fart stage. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We can have some deeper conversations. Mm -hmm. I have heard of, I have a friend who's got a variety of children. She has seven kids. And so she's been reading or praying Joshua 1-9 over her kids for a long time. And so her seven-year-old is starting to encourage his younger sister, you know, when she's afraid, well, be strong and courageous for the Lord Mm -hmm. your God is with you wherever you go. Yeah. So it does happen. It's yeah. just, I haven't seen it in my family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's so precious because, you know, sometimes I could say something 10 times and it's not until somebody else says it that my kids are like, oh yeah, yeah, I totally believe you. And I'm like, hello, <laughs> like, where do you think they got this from? <laughs> like, 
Exactly. Um, but I do think that as the kids get older, there's a certain power in like voicing your concerns or worry and hearing them out loud in a group setting. And you're all of a sudden like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not as bad as I thought it was. Or, yeah. um, you know, somebody can chime in and, and I'm starting to see, I mean, I have teenagers and I'm starting to see a little bit of this, especially as my younger son is going to be next year in the school with my girls that our high school goes from seventh to 12th grade. And so they're in the same, my two girls are in the same building and my third will be there next year. And like, he's asking questions now and they're sort of like, no, you don't have to worry about this. And this is great. And like to see them help one another is really nice. And I think that, you know, if he voices a concern or something he's worried about, they're able to be like, no, we got this covered. Like, this is what you do. And, and whereas he may not be able to hear that from me because I'm not at school. I, I don't go to that school. I'm not there every day. I don't know what I'm talking about, but my, his sisters might. Um, and so I found that to be really helpful. And it happens eventually. <laughs> it's not perfect. Excellent. It doesn't happen all the time. We're not sitting around the fire talking about our worries, but... <laughs> I know. Um, but it does happen. It usually happens when, when they think I'm not paying attention. Right. (laughs) I'll just have to tune out a little. Yeah. Um, so as we wrap up, um, can you share with our listeners some practical tips that, that they can do to help their children if they're dealing with worry? Well, I think here's four ideas. So the first is to have empathy for your child that and to just pay attention, like we were talking earlier, that defiance or all these behaviors might not be the root of the problem. The root might actually be deeper and it might be in worries. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we can do is just have empathy and take a deep breath and pray mm-hmm. about you. Know, the ultimate wisdom comes from God, right? So if we take a moment, which we don't always do, to stop and pray and breathe about this, then Mm -hmm. we're going to have better wisdom for helping our child. So um, there are three very specific things. So the first is to name it as worries. So my kids actually have like a name for their worries. Mm -hmm. My oldest calls his derf derf. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know it's you're supposed to name it like germ bug or something like that yeah. but and then the other one calls him worry butt. So as I mentioned we yeah. are very obsessed with butts and farts right yeah. now. Yeah. So but when I say like hey do you think that maybe this is worry butt talking right now and they go oh yeah. So then first of all we recognize it as a worry mm-hmm. and then the second thing is that we reframe it so I don't do the reframing for them or I try not to. I try to ask them questions to help mm-hmm. them realize what the truth is because yeah. worries and anxiety is always a lie. Like, what if this happens? What if this mm-hmm. happens? Well, the likelihood of those things happening is very tiny. So mm-hmm. it's a lie. It's telling you that something is going to happen that is probably not going to happen. Right. So then we want to reframe it and say, well, what does the other part of your brain think? Do you think that's really likely that your mm-hmm. friend is going to abandon you mm-hmm. or um, what are the chances that a tornado is going to destroy our home? What do you right. think? How about right. we, you know, look up some statistics, statistics about that or so just learning to recognize the worry and yeah. learning to speak truth at the worry. Say, uh-huh. hey, worry about you're lying to me right now and this is the truth. Mm-hmm. So my youngest, when he often has some worries around bedtime, he doesn't want to go to sleep. And so one day I asked him, like, are you, do you think maybe this is worry butt talking right now? And he's like, oh, maybe. And I said, well, what's worry butt telling you? And he says that you're never going to come back. Hmm. And I thought, oh, boy, that's really deep for a four-year-old to recognize yeah. that that is the worry. And so I said, okay, well, do you think that's the truth? And he said, mm, no, you'll be here in the morning. Yeah. So I said, 
So I said, okay, now we got to tell Worry Bud this. Yeah. <laughs> I worry Bud, you're lying to me. Mommy's going to be there in the morning. And guess what? She's just in the kitchen all mm-hmm. evening. Yeah. <laughs> so she's not going anywhere. So Probably she- doing dishes and cleaning up after you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and then the third thing, so there's empathy, which is kind of the base. And mm-hmm. then we want to name it. We want to reframe it. And then we want to give our kids courage challenges as well. So avoiding what we're afraid of is like the worst possible thing that we can do. And as parents, we often enable our kids in avoiding what they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're afraid of school. Fine. You can stay home for a mental health day. But what that tells our kids is that there actually is something to be anxious about or that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're pretty sure they can't actually cope. Yeah. So we want to help them through, you know, very modified step-by-step process and working with them, not just saying, well, you're going to go to school today and there's nothing you can do about it. But okay. Yeah. Well, what can we do? The ultimate goal is that you're going to go to school and you're going to participate in gym class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how could, what are the steps that we can get to the things that maybe cause you a little bit of worry, but don't, you know, set you at a, like a level 10, beep, 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 I'm going to yeah. die kind of worry. So, well, we can go to school. Maybe we can sit on the sidelines in gym class instead of pretending we're sick. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we can stand at the back of the soccer game. Then maybe we can just chase the kids back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're doing these little courage challenges to help build them up and to help them remember that this is, they can do this, right? This is, yeah. and, and to also give them uh, ammunition for when they're firing at their worries. Okay. This mm-hmm. is the truth that I can run back and forth in the soccer game and gym class and nothing bad happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. I love that you name it because oftentimes if I am worried about something and I, let's say, share it with me, my husband, um, he's like, well, you shouldn't worry about that. And that's not going to happen. And, and that like, like, it's more of like you, you, you. So I start to feel like it's me, me, me as opposed mm-hmm. to worry, which kind of like puts it on a third party. I mean, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Like, so that's exactly what, yeah. there's a therapist who writes a lot about childhood anxiety and she mm-hmm. says it's personifying the anxiety so mm-hmm. that it's not you. It's not you yeah. being bad or you being wrong. It's your anxiety talking to you. It's your amygdala really. Yeah. So she's, yeah. sometimes people just call it, Hey, amygdala, <laughs> you're lying mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Or hey, worry or hey, worry, but because you're right, it's not you. You're not yeah. broken. It's yeah. just something in your brain that needs to be tweaked. Yeah. And then these these thoughts and these worries are going to come up and it's just a matter of what we do with them. And that's it's absolutely normal too. And I think that's important for them to understand that this is, that everybody has worries. It's just a matter of what you do with it. It's just, you know, even the most confident people, and, and I see this, you know, now that my kids are in high school and dealing with, um, you know, higher stakes in the social arena, mm. <laughs> call it that. Um, even the most confident person is walking around with worries and fears and insecurities. And, um, you know, they're just not, maybe they're not making, they're making different choices from those, you know, insecurities and concerns. And, and so you may think that they, they have all the confidence in the world, but they may still be struggling. Um, and so, yeah, to be able to help them understand that it's normal too, I think is really helpful. Mm. Yes, it happens to everyone. It's true. We all have an amygdala. Yeah. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we all have an amygdala. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again so much for being here. I've really enjoyed our conversation.
You can read all about cultivating authentic faith in the home at www.christythomaswriter.com. Don't forget to check out her new book, Quinn's Promise Rock, wherever books are sold. We'll link to that and all of the places that you can find Christy online in the show notes. The Family Culture Project has a great website, but do you know what's an even better one? My wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she has a lot of smart things to say about faith, family, and community. Aw, thanks, babe. When you're done listening to this episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about. And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Hey, that's my line. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com.